1: I'm Father John Gatzak, with many questions that you and I will ask Archbishop Blair as he responds to what matters to you in the Archbishop's Corner. Everyone's life is driven by something. What drives your life? Many are driven by things like guilt, resentment, anger, fear, materialism, and the need for approval. There are other forces that can drive your life, but all lead to the same dead end unused potential, unnecessary stress, and an unfulfilled life. The Bible has a remedy. St. Paul said to the Ephesians, Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the Master wants. And the Master himself said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we meet now in the Archbishop's Corner, where Archbishop Leonard Blair helps us think life through and search out the truth as we find the right way to faith. So thank you, Archbishop Blair, for sharing some time with us in the Archbishop's Corner. How are you today? I'm doing just fine, thank you. On this sixth Sunday of Easter, it's a beautiful day. And tomorrow is the last Monday of May already, the unofficial start of summer and, most importantly, Memorial Day, the day that honors men and women who have died in military service for the United States. This day is proclaimed as a day of prayer for permanent peace. How important do you think it is that we pray for peace, Archbishop?
0: Well, obviously we have to uh, pray for uh, uh, peace uh, in in a troubled world. But dare I say, we also on Memorial Day uh, need to pray for the repose of the souls of those who have died in the service of their country. So we're praying for peace in the world and for eternal peace uh, uh, for those who have died. And I think those are both very important. I say that because sometimes, you know, today, uh, you know, we've fallen into the moment of silence uh, thing. And mm-hmm. uh, don't get me wrong, that's very important. And, in a, you know, in the secular world, that's very appropriate. But for a believing Catholic in a Catholic context, uh, when we close our eyes for the silence, we should conclude with the prayer, eternal rest granted to them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed to the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen. So it's not just a remembrance, and it's not just a respect, uh, but it's also a prayer for the dead.
1: And it's not just a moment of silence, is, no. is, is what you're saying. Especially, So we should expect then, uh, or if we've already gone to Mass today, uh, that, that we would hear... Actual prayers for the repose of the souls of those who are in our military, who sacrificed and who gave their lives in pursuit of the cause of peace for our country.
0: Well, that's certainly appropriate in the prayer of the faithful, or for the intention of the mass, if that's uh, available. Uh, I mean, every mass, in every Eucharistic prayer, we pray for the for the dead. It's part of it's part of every mass to to after the consecration to pray for the dead. So it's uh, my point is simply it doesn't have to be always very explicit, uh, but the point is that we don't just remember the dead, but we, we pray for the uh, repose of their souls.
1: Wednesday is International Day of United Nations Peacekeepers, and this day offers a chance to pay tribute to all the men and women who have served the United Nations in peacekeeping operations. Uh, do you want to say something about uh, the individual's role in peacekeeping? For instance, you know, we, we may look at the world and see that there are pockets of turmoil that, that, uh, that, uh, that exist across our globe today. And somebody may say, well, what can I do as just one individual? What can I do to bring peace into the world? How would you answer that question, Archbishop?
0: Well, I think, first of all, by uh, striving to create peace within our own homes and families and local communities— by not fostering those things, or fomenting, I should say, those things that create anger and division, uh, by trying to find uh, rational and reasonable solutions to problems, by not giving in to this horrific polarization that seems to be afflicting not only the United States, but uh, other nations as well, uh, and then uh, uh, supporting and, and helping those uh, efforts or organizations that do try to work for peace. I think. You know, and there can be a wide variety of opinions about what's effective or what isn't. Uh, people would even have different approaches to how to do it. I, mean, I would like to think of them as complementary approaches or contrasting approaches, but not not uh, contentious ones about how to uh, bring about peace in the world. And, you know, to bring about peace, you have to be willing to uh, have uh, a sense of justice. You know, you can't... Mm-hmm. Where there's injustice, you're not going to have peace. So you have to work for uh, a more just society and a more just world, beginning with your own actions, those things you have some control over, uh, before you can hope to have peace.
1: Very important, sure. Archbishop Thursday of this week is Ascension Day. It's the 40th day of Easter. Ascension Thursday is one of the earliest Christian festivals dating back to the year 68. According to the New Testament and the Bible, Jesus met several times with his disciples during the 40 days after his resurrection to instruct them on how to carry out his teaching. It's believed that on the 40th day he took them to the Mount of Olives where they watched as he ascended to heaven. What are your thoughts as we are about to celebrate Ascension Thursday?
0: Well, recently in some of my confirmation homilies, I've been during the Easter season, I've been, I've talked about the fact that if you look at the Easter Gospels, When Christ arose from the dead, for those first 40 days before the ascension, he appeared to people in a very, very human way. I think of the gospel, you know, where uh, Jesus uh, even cooks breakfast on the seashore of the uh, Sea of Galilee for some of the apostles, you know, and he says, come and eat, and we read, for example, how he ate with them. Now, Jesus, a person risen from the dead in a glorified body, does not need to eat, But the point is that in this interim period, those 40 days, Jesus uh, used that occasion uh, to make them realize that he really, it really was him and that he wasn't a ghost. He wasn't some phantom, that it was the same Jesus who was, uh, who lived with them and who was crucified, the very same Jesus who was now risen from the dead. You know, the thing about doubting Thomas, about the the holes in his hands and his feet, the wounds uh, that, that, that and so that's very important, but the point is with the ascension into heaven, Christ then and he said this, unless I return to my Father, the Holy Spirit will not come to you that Jesus then ascends into the the glory of uh, of the, the Trinity of heaven, and he's no longer available to to the disciples and to us in that bodily uh, direct bodily way uh. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, he, in a sense, fills the world, you know, that, that that Christ is present everywhere in every celebration of the Holy Eucharist and the sacraments. He's present to us, you know, spiritually in a, in a, in a, a, a much broader way. And, and that's through the power of the Holy Spirit, as Jesus himself said. So you have Easter, then you have Ascension Thursday, then a few days later you have Pentecost, in which now these apostles are given the Holy Spirit to understand all of this, and to boldly—and uh, that's the New Testament word—boldly word, and courageously go forth and proclaim Christ. And we are in that stage where we have to do what the apostles did.
1: I'd like to use your use of the word boldly, because I think that that is a word that we need exercised more often than not in our world today, that we as Christians, as, as followers of Christ today, as believers— touched by the, the spirit of Pentecost, must boldly go forth in our world today to proclaim the gospel message. And that, that the Lord is still with us, and we are called upon to live the life that he has modeled for us.
0: Yes, it's such a key word in the, in Acts of the Apostles that I even remember what the Greek is. It's peresia, perisi, that the boldness, that this is what the apostles did. They were bold in proclaiming Christ. And uh, we're not often bold anymore. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we're almost sometimes apologetic, or we're, but they, they were not afraid. And that's what we have to do. And that's the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what I also preach in the confirmation homily that you're confirmed in the gift of the Holy Spirit so that you can go out with boldness. Boldness doesn't mean being obnoxious, it doesn't mean being overbearing, uh, it doesn't mean being in your face, but boldly means that you really speak. The gospel message that you're not afraid to say it and that's what we have to do
1: on friday of this week we observe the feast of the visitation of the blessed virgin mary can you just briefly suggest to us what this feast of the visitation of mary is all about
0: well it's from the incident that we read about in the gospels that uh, mary made haste after the annunciation to visit her cousin elizabeth who was pregnant with john the baptist and um you know that this visit to Elizabeth prompted the beautiful uh scriptural passage called the Magnificat, where Mary sings the praises of God for His grace and goodness and what is happening, so it's one of those things all of the mysteries in the scripture are presented with the you know with a profound spiritual depth and reality, and so the liturgy commemorates these things in a way for us, and that's that's what's happening here
1: and the Magnificat has become part of the daily official prayer of the church. It's a beautiful prayer
0: yes. Let's
1: take a look now at the Road to Happiness in Life, where, where we examine some of the wisdom of Pope Francis that is drawn from his writings. I'll read a short portion of the Holy Father's Address. We'll ask you, then, Archbishop, to comment with your own thoughts on what Pope Francis has said. This is taken from Pope Francis's Angelus, delivered on December 4th of 2016, and it's called, What is the Kingdom of Heaven? The Pope says, What is the Kingdom of God and what is the Kingdom of Heaven? They are the same thing. They both make us think of the afterlife, eternal life. Of course, the kingdom of God will stretch far beyond earthly life, but the good news that Jesus brings us and that John proclaims is that we do not need to wait for the future kingdom of God. It is here now. Since it is already here, we can experience its spiritual influence. The kingdom of God is in your midst, Jesus would say. God rules over our history today, every day of our lives, and where his rule is welcomed with faith and humility, love, joy, and peace will blossom. Archbishop, your thoughts.
0: Yes, well, this is a very key uh, doctrine, a key uh, be- uh, belief of, of, of uh, the gospel message, that it's not wrong to speak about, uh, certainly not wrong to speak about uh, dying and going to heaven. You know, that is our, our hope to be Uh, united with Christ in in immortal life and with the communion of saints. But the kingdom of God, you know, uh, we pray thy kingdom come. Uh, uh, But that means in its fullness, Jesus had said that the kingdom of God uh, is among you, that, you know, that with him being in the world, the kingdom of God is here. It has come in the person of Christ. And therefore, even though our eyes are shielded from seeing this reality all around us, uh, we have to live by things that are spiritual, that are not seen. The kingdom of God is present wherever people are united to Christ and where they live uh, according to Christ's word, his commandments, and where uh, all the things that the Pope speaks about here, faith and humility, love, joy, and peace, uh, wherever those are present in the name of Christ, there is the kingdom of God.
1: I think it's it's easier for us to say if we look at the kingdom of God as existing, for instance, in in a particular family. We could say that the kingdom of God is in your midst. God rules over our history where his rule is welcomed, or in the family where his rule is welcomed with faith and humility. We find love, joy, and peace there blossoming.
0: Yes, certainly, and family in any community, including the church community where these things are are lived and and uh, given witness to jesus said the kingdom of god is within you Uh, so yes we live in this passing world uh... but we have to remember that the victory's already been won Uh, there there will be the battle the attempt of evil to overcome it to overturn it that's a constant battle but the victory is there's no uh... question about who's going to win because the victory's already been won Uh, the question is kind of enduring uh, the onslaught of, of evil and uh, keeping ourselves firmly rooted in the kingdom of God, which Christ has, has uh, given to us and won for us.
1: Well, let's take a look at our Gospel reading on this sixth Sunday of Easter, the 26th day of May. Uh, Today's reading is from John's Gospel once again, this time the 14th chapter. And after the Gospel is dramatically presented, we'll talk with you, Archbishop, and ask for your thoughts as to what this
2: Gospel means. If a man loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. You heard me say to you, I go away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I go to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. Archbishop, your
1: thoughts on the meaning of our gospel passage for today?
0: Well, again, these are very profound and beautiful uh, passages from the Gospel of John uh this one in particular is very uh trinitarian and very much i mean just one little part of it is is uh worthy of a lot of reflection uh but just a couple things here uh, you know we talk about love today uh as opposed to rules but you know what jesus says here uh if you love me you will keep my words you'll keep my commandments so love is not just a feeling but love means uh, living uh, love as Jesus commanded us to live it. And uh, then, of course, uh, the Holy Spirit, which is crucial. You know, we talked about uh, the fact that um, uh, after the Ascension, the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, that the things that the apostles really couldn't fully appreciate or understand uh, and were afraid to even speak uh, now are made possible. Uh, by uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit to guide us, as Jesus says, into all the truth and to remind you of all that I have taught you. And this is with the church until the end of time because the teaching over the centuries of the gospel has been uh, not to create any uh, something different but to unfold the truths of the gospel under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and to read, to, to 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 come to... Uh, understand the application of the gospel in a given situation or in regard to a particular question uh, moving forward to the end of time. And, um, you know, Jesus says, if you'd love me, you would rejoice that I'm going to the Father. Uh, and now, I've told you this before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe. And, of course, all these things that Jesus said were fulfilled uh, with the Pentecost and with the growth of the church. And we have to keep that faith until the end of time.
1: Jesus is saying, the Father will send the Holy Spirit who will teach you and remind you of all that I told you. Is that Holy Spirit alive and well, doing his job in our world today? That's the question.
0: Well, not for you and me, of course. Uh, We profess in the Creed that it absolutely is happening. Uh, The Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, uh, proceeds from the Father and the Son. Um, Yes, the the Holy Spirit is very much... uh, And Jesus told us this the importance of the Holy Spirit. That's why we also pray the annual Novena for the Holy Spirit in the Archdiocese. Uh, I think that's so very important, you know, imitating those nine days of the Apostles and Mary in the upper room uh, waiting for this gift and promise to be fulfilled. We all need to invoke the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, that beautiful image of Pope Paul, the, Saint Pope Paul VI, that it's like a sailboat Uh, without the wind, without the Holy Spirit. You have to have the wind to fill your sails. Well, think of the Holy Spirit as being the wind that fills the sails of the church.
1: Do not let your hearts be troubled or afraid, Jesus says. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives peace. Talk about the distinguishing difference, Archbishop, between the peace the world gives and the peace of Jesus.
0: Well, I suppose a lot could be said about that. I mean, peace in the world it often is just a truce, you know, uh, or a balancing of conflicting whatever, uh, and it's still so very fraught with human weakness and inclination to sin. But the peace that Jesus gives is the peace um, that rests in the in God, uh, the lordship of God over all things, where every care and every worry and every threat is subdued uh, and put to rest by the almighty power, mercy, and love of God. Uh, And that kind of peace, you know, we were created for it, and it is what we will experience in the life to come uh, without anxiety, without, uh, you know, fear. So peace in this world is kind of a, a sign of it, a promise of hope for it, but it only is perfectly fulfilled in God.
1: Jesus warns that he's going away, but he will come back. Was this meant to be a warning or a comforting message? You know, like, don't worry, I'm coming back, or I'm going to get you, I'll come back.
0: Well, obviously not the latter, but on the other hand, yes and no, because Jesus is coming to judge the, the living and the dead. You know, we, we believe in the the, uh, the three comings of Christ. The first coming was his uh, birth, and nativity, his, his life in this world. The second coming uh, is when he will, as we say all the time at Mass, when he will come to judge the living and the dead. But the third one is an intermediate one because Christ is coming to us now. Every time we open the scriptures, or when, especially when they're proclaimed at Mass, and every time we celebrate the sacraments and receive Holy Communion, for example, Christ is coming to, to us in the world. So that's really the three. Uh, But Christ will come in the end to judge the living and the dead. And to those who have been faithful and who love God and love Christ, this is a matter of joy. Uh, To those who have chosen evil and sin, I guess it's a cause of consternation. Uh, But the purpose is is to bring God's plan to fulfillment and to, you know, judge the world in, in rightness and truth. Let's
1: look at a few of the questions that listeners have submitted. For instance, Janie from Naugatuck says, Coming home from my first year away at college, I have never been so happy to be around people that actually believe in God. I couldn't believe how many of my classmates call themselves atheists. Kids from all religious backgrounds considered it cool to bash God in any form. What do you see as the reason of the increase in non believers and what can my generation do to help reverse the trend?
0: Well, Janie, you're on to a very serious uh, difficulty, you know. Today, in the world, uh, people are, uh, for various reasons, uh, abandoning faith uh, in God. Uh, you know, the number of people who say they have no religious faith equals, in some surveys, the number of people who say that they're Catholic in the United States. In fact, the, the number does coincide, the number who say that they're Catholic. Um, and... I think it's a modern uh, materialism and secularism, you know, many people believe that science explains everything, that they really, you know, that God was kind of a way for people to deal with things they couldn't understand, so they projected, you know, something in invisible power in heaven, but uh, that science really explains everything, um, although there are, of course, many, many thoughtful scientists of deep faith who don't accept that at all, um, Then there are those who say religion is just a cause of violence and war and and hatred in the world. And God knows there has been religious hatred and animosity, but that doesn't define our faith at all. Again, the devil works overtime. Uh, There are those who say that, uh, well, Pope Benedict had an interesting thing. He said, you know, a lot of times people think that by accepting God, that somehow means a diminishment or demeaning of them as persons. And he said, but nothing could be further than the truth, that when we accept God, believe in God, then we truly come to appreciate the depth of our real dignity and our real freedom uh, and the depths of love that without God we, we cannot possibly uh, arrive at. So all of these things are out there. And then there is uh, the diabolical element, you know, this hatred for God, uh, hatred for religion. Uh, sometimes it comes because the peoples have had... Um, uh, traumatic experiences in their life that have alienated from them from God. Sometimes it's because they have experienced things that leads to a real a rejection that God could not possibly exist because they're angry and hurt. But in the end, this attitude, though, this thing has no future, you know, about rejecting God and faith because it's false. So we shouldn't be afraid, again, to use that word, to be bold, in uh, bearing witness to our faith. And I think we will find that sometimes people who fall into the fashion of bashing God or religion in their heart of hearts may actually be more open than we think to hearing, uh, not so much hearing, but seeing the witness of a life lived in God, a life of faith. That can't fail to uh, attract people or even to soften hardened hearts. We have to serenely, prayerfully, lovingly bear witness to our faith. It's more important than ever.
1: Janie's question just lets me know how important it is that the church have a very vibrant, active Newman ministry at college campuses throughout our archdiocese and beyond, Archbishop, that the Newman chaplaincy gives support to students who may feel that they're away from home, away from the encouragement of family in the practice of their faith, so the Newman chaplaincy gives them the, the, the strength and the hope to continue practicing their faith, but grow stronger in the practice of that faith as well.
0: Yes, and it's not just the traditional Newman chaplaincy, but there are also movements of, that have been created, you know, that are on college campuses of, of Catholic uh, faith that are very, very good uh, and that are having a good uh, effect. So we want to encourage that in every way possible.
1: And students should seek those out. Mike from East Hartford says, Growing up, I always said my prayers before going to sleep. I'm not sure when or how it happened, but I just know that I stopped doing this. Now I pray only when something terrible is happening or if I remember to. I go to church and still very much believe, so what can I do to get back to a prayerful life?
0: Well, Mike, the answer is uh, very simple. Do it.
1: Just do uh, it. Make yeah.
0: a commitment to do it. Uh, you know, get some—if uh, you need a little help— Get uh, a nice book of Catholic uh, prayers to, to help you. You know, not you don't have to be complicated or, uh, or, or, uh, or in your own words uh, in the morning and, uh, and before you go to bed and maybe in the uh, midday too. Just, you know, prayer is lifting your mind and heart to God. So all you have to do is take a moment uh, to lift your mind and heart to God. You can use your own words. You can use the words of Scripture. You can use the words of uh, prayers like the Our Father, the Hail Mary, the Glory Be, or other devotional prayers. But simply do it uh, and ask God to help you to persevere in prayer. Uh, Lift your mind and heart to God in thanksgiving, in praise. Yes, in petition, too, for things we need, but above all, in praise and thanksgiving. Uh, and and then God will will fill you and help you. You know what Jesus says in that Gospel, that the Father and I will come and make our dwelling in the person who believes. So uh, do it.
1: And and there are two uh, guides or helps that assist in in praying morning prayer and evening prayer that I'd like to mention, Archbishop. One is called the Magnificat, and the other one is called Give Us This Day. And both of these are subscription services Mm, that, that might be very helpful in praying. Yes,
0: I'm partial to Magnificat myself. I subscribe to Magnificat. There are beautiful readings in there every day, from taken from the saints or spiritual writers. A short one, but there's also a brief form of morning prayer and evening prayer, and the readings for Mass. So that's just that's very helpful. But again, if you if you you don't need to have that book, if you if you just you know start to to, to pray even to God in your own words, but take time to do it and the commitment to do it.
1: Archbishop, we've come to the end of our time together this morning. Can you close our program with a prayer and a blessing?
0: Lord, we thank you for all that you have done for us and for the love you have for each and every one of us, you who died on the cross and rose from the dead for our justification and for the gift of eternal life. We pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit, our minds and hearts may be open to understand ever more deeply the mystery of the Holy Trinity, of your love for us, and help us to be bold in uh, proclaiming the good news of the gospel in a world that so much needs to have faith. And may Almighty God bless you all in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.
1: Amen. Archbishop, thank you for inviting us into the Archbishop's Corner. We look forward to joining you again next week at 7 o'clock in the morning on Sunday with a repeat at 1130. And a blessed Memorial Day to you, Archbishop. And to you as well.